Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. All right, welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined by my co-host Alex coming to you two days after the disgusting events I witnessed on Thursday Night Football between the New York Giants and Washington football team. Uh, no intro music because there's no need to be vibing to anything at this current moment as you would be if the intro music was playing. Um, or at least I would, I would hope you do. And what I do when I hear the intro music kind of vibe a little bit and then you get into the uh, atmosphere of the podcast where there is no vibing to be had because this team is not a vibe. This team is the opposite of a vibe. This team is looking disgusting on the field. Um... No, I wouldn't say that. I thought they looked disgusting on the field when it came to the Broncos game. I think it was just a mix of unfortunate event after unfortunate event after penalty, um, which led to this team's loss. I think there are positives in this game that we will unfortunately have to go through because for me, my once again, um, I guess, fury... Um, cause I was furious after the game ended. Um, I would say it has now turned to once again, just another sadness. And, uh, I mean, I guess Alex will give you his thoughts too. I don't know if, if they've changed, uh, since Thursday as well, but, um, I guess we'll go into all of that. But first of all, stupid question to ask at this point, because I think we all know how you are feeling, Alex, but still going to ask it anyway. Uh, how are you? Not great, but, uh, you know, I, from Thursday night to Friday morning, um, Friday morning was kind of sucky, but then as the day progressed on Friday, I thought about some of the positives and then it went back to bad again and it's kind of still bad. So yeah, that's pretty much how my, uh, day went, but going into the Giants game here, um, obviously well, I just want to talk about the key moments for anyone who, if you were living under a rock, did not somehow watch the game. Basically, at the end of the game, Giants get an interception. We go three and out. Um, and actually, prior to this, Darius Slayton drops a wide-open touchdown pass. Uh, then get back on defense. Um, or Right after that touchdown pass, right, they go down the field in two plays or whatever and score a touchdown. They're up 27-26. Darius Slayton obviously not getting the touchdown or settling for a field goal would have been 30-27 uh, at that point, giving us a three-point cushion. And um, yeah, we're we're back on we're back on defense again. 
and uh, James Bradbury comes up with a big interception. We're about on the 2015-ish yard line, um, and we go three and out and are forced to kick a field goal, making it 29-27, and uh, Washington goes down the field with about two minutes left, one timeout, get into field goal range. Um, Dustin Hopkins misses the field goal uh, originally, but uh, NFL or the officials ruled that Dexter Lawrence jumped offside, so they get to retake it. And then he slots it right down the middle. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how the game ended. Not true. Case. Was not right down the middle either. Um, Ooh, it, was, it was like close. Whatever. It was comfortably in. Nope. I still don't agree with that either. It was on the right side where, as a Giants fan who, you know, just saw a field goal miss to the right side, you might assume for one second, as I did, that that could be slotting to the right side. And then. It creeped in. That was not right down the middle. That was not uh, very it close. Right to my... down, it wasn't right down the middle. It was like, but it was comfortably in. I as soon as the ball was kicked, I saw it. Like, hey, it's going in. I didn't. Yeah. So that's that's a little bit different opinions, Alex. If you want to rewatch okay. the kick, you can go ahead and do that because it was not right down the middle or comfortably in. I don't agree I, with that. Statement. If I'm if I'm rewatching the kick right now, right, like Dustin Hopkins. Are you rewatching it right now, or you're saying I, if I? I'm going to re-watch it, like, right now. Okay, here we mm-hmm. go. So, game-winning field goal. Here we are. Um, and then Hopkins, they snap the ball. You don't need to and, go through the play-by-play, but thank you. And it's 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 in reasonably comfortably. There's definitely a couple feet between the right upright and the thing. I, I mean, it, it's closer towards the right side. It's closer to being missed than right down the middle, I will say that. All right. Well, anyway, yeah, so that's how the game ends, and uh, that's how the Giants lose another football game and are now 0-2 on the season and now need to um, somehow bounce back from this game. We need to win. We need to win. I, think I, really I don't it. know. I mean, I don't know how, how heartbroken the players are compared to the fans, um, but what I do know is the fans are absolutely heartbroken heartbroken um and that does include us um as well as well as absolutely disgusted um with how this game turned out and how there were points in this game where it could have been a different game and yet in the past five years as uh, we have been the most of giants fans you know been able to kind of keep up with stats and players uh, because we have gotten older, more mature, and uh, being able to understand how football works over the past five years, it always does seem to be that way. That uh, ever since, what, five years ago, being 2016, that this this Giants team always finds a way to lose. Whereas you think, wait, that's a weird statement that he just made. Yes, because a good football team, you would say, always finds a way to win. But... The New York Giants somehow always seem to find a way to lose. So it, it, it's it's a odd thing to say. It's an odd thing to hear. But if you're an outsider listening, that's why. If you're a Giants fan and have been a Giants fan for years and years, you know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. Um, you know, th- this actually takes me back to the Chase Young Bowl in one of the last, if not the last weeks of the NFL season, which whoever won the uh, game between the Giants and the Washington football team would get that Chase Young pick. And then the Giants ended up winning that game in overtime. That's the one game we actually figured out how to win. 
Yeah, there, I mean, there were bits and pieces here and there. The Seattle game last year was a good one. But somehow this team just finds a way to lose. And I would have to say, um, from my perspective, I, I guess Alex remembers the uh, Deshaun Jackson return of the century, whatever you want to call it, on the on the final uh, punt return for the touchdown to win it. I don't, personally. So this game uh, and the ending to this game would have to be the worst loss of my life uh, as a Giants fan. And... I'm still a Giants fan. I'm not changing fandoms. I'm still here. Um, but I would have to say it was the worst loss I've seen. Um, you know, and then coming right next to that was actually our New York Giant who played amazing in this game was Graham Gano, I think going five for five, uh, from the field goal, or from field goals. Um, or maybe it might have been field goals and extra points combined. I don't know for sure. Uh, but I do believe it was field goals. Um, that he made like a 60 plus yard field goal to uh, beat us when he was on Carolina. And that probably has to be a close second to this game uh, as I was feeling much defeated. And after the game, you know, we have school in the morning. That's why this podcast is coming now because we literally had to uh, go to bed as, as quickly as possible or at least try to wake up the next day, um, go to school in, you know, absolute um, disgust and also being completely tired. Uh, and then, you know, uh, took the night off and then kind of a recording here. That's why it's a little late. We apologize about that, but it's, we needed some time to recover, I think too. Um, but yeah, I've been going on a little bit too long. I just wanted to say, uh, my main point when I brought that up was that after the game ended, um, my dad went upstairs. Uh, I was watching it with him. And I, I literally think the lights were all off the whole, you know, I just sat in darkness and silence for maybe 15 to 20 minutes until like 12 a.m. or whatever it was at that point. And then I like, I, I was just in shock. I, I didn't even know like what to think. Um, but all I knew what I, I, I was in shock and I was, in, in like, I was so mad. Um, I'm going to be honest. Like I know some people were very sad as Alex completely heartbreaking as he texted me or something along those lines, but I was jumping up with my dad when, when they, when the the field goal happened and then the penalty, the flag and I'll change from there. So ran is over. Sorry. And funny enough, um, yesterday night, if it couldn't feel any worse, um, I, I'm obviously, if you can tell by my mic quality, whatever, not in my usual location, I'm down by the Jersey shore. And of course, down here, uh, you have a lot, a lot of Eagles fans. And I was out to dinner and so there was like a pack of like 20 Eagles fans all there talking about, Oh, the giants suck. The like, Oh my God, I was about to rip their heads off. It was going to be, it was, it was very bad. Um, so that just made my day even worse. Uh, and then there was all the Jalen Hurts for, it's like the future and oh my God, I can't with all these old men who don't know anything about football. Um, that also happened to be Eagles fans, probably why they don't know anything about football. Um, but yeah, that just made my night even worse if anyone's interested. But uh, in terms of the game, I want to go back to that because obviously that's what we're here to talk about, right? Not our uh, feelings at public places with Eagles fans. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk first about Daniel Jones because obviously he's the most important player on the field and uh, he was 
the key to us staying in that game. I thought besides there was one play where he held onto the ball a little bit too long and we got knocked out of field goal range um, with his with the sack that he took there. Um, besides that play, and it wasn't a turnover, so you know it's better than usual. And I think besides that, Daniel Jones played a top-tier game uh, over at my friends with PFF over there. They had him rated 92.2 QB ratings, which was one of the highest um, so far this year. And his, and Daniel Jones' the, uh, highest rating so far in his career by far. I thought this is the by far, is, I'm, I'm saying by far like 50 times, but it was the best game in Daniel Jones' career so far that we've seen. Rushing, we saw him do that. We saw better awareness in the pocket. We saw him running through different reads, not just like setting his eyes on different reads, dragging the safeties. We saw him uh, better pocket awareness. We saw, and that was mostly due to the fact that the offensive line also did better in this game. And uh, it just looked like he was a much, much better uh, quarterback. It looked like he reflected on what happened last week and he really shined in this game. And what I... You know, as much it was as it's great that Daniel Jones is progressing like this and we see a good game here, see a good game there, I think the most critical thing is that can he play at this level next week against the Falcons, the week after against the um, Saints, the week after that against, I believe it's the Rams. Can he keep playing at that level? Can we see a, a stretch of three, four games where he plays at that level? then I think that would make me more confident. Because we've seen here and there, you know, at the end of last season, we saw he had a very good game, uh, you know, towards the end of the season. And then we saw he had a couple good games in the beginning of the season. But they're never strung together. We've never seen consistency from Daniel Jones. Um, and that's something that Eli Manning had. And I think that's something that Daniel Jones needs to uh, get down if he wants to stay the quarterback of the New York Giants. But I thought he was very good. And the offensive line, like I said before, I thought was extremely good as well. Prayers up to Nick Gates. Very unfortunate with that injury. It sounds like he fractured his leg. Um, so he's probably going to be out for the rest of the season, almost most definitely. But, uh, you know, really unfortunate. He's really been a, a bright spot for this Giants team. But uh, hopefully we can cope without him. But I'm sure he'll still be a big influence off the field as well. And uh, I, Andrew Thomas, I got to say again, two games in a row now where he mostly shut down Chase Young again in this game. Um, and I thought he was very good. And the progression he's making under Rob Sale uh, and how Rob Sale is affecting that whole O-line is really promising. And players like Nate Soldier didn't look like his head was in the dirt. Um, and Nick Hernandez... Uh, Nick Her- <laughs> and Will Hernandez... Uh, it also looked a bit better in this game as well. Um, but Josh, do you have anything to say on those two? Weird transition to me, but uh, I was kind of going to talk about Daniel Jones. Um, like you've been saying, we haven't been seeing that steadiness or like regularity in his game. Uh, hasn't been able to kind of go from one thing to the other uh, when, when it comes to games. But I thought in this one, he was able to do so at a, at a very good rate when it comes to pass completion. I want to go through his stats just real quick. Um, 22 for 32 um, in completions, uh, you know, and attempts to completions. Um, 32 attempts, 22 completions, 249 yards and a touchdown throwing. Uh, And he also was our best rusher in this game with nine carries, 95 yards. That means about uh, 10 and a half yards per rush and a touchdown there as well. 
Um, so, I mean, we can, we can see the flashes, you know, like Alex has always said, when he has something here or there that, uh, show us Daniel Jones is our future. And then there is those points where I, I don't know if maybe it was just me. Maybe it was, I think it was a linebacker that had a good read. I believe Daniel Jones threw a pass though in this game. It was like right to a linebacker or right to a Washington player, or they made a good play. I'm sorry. I, I'm getting this off of just like memorization and like uh, remembering the play, I should say. Uh, and I don't have a lot of specifics on it, but I don't know if it was a good read from the Washington defensive player or was Daniel Jones threw it at right at him. But I think the play didn't stand. He, he dropped it obviously, but I think it went right in his hands and the Washington player dropped it. Um, and then there was a flag either against Washington or the Giants. That was the only flaw I saw from him. And also holding the ball too long. There were, there were a few occasions of that. Um, and then obviously the big one could not get us out of field goal range, which the, he cannot do that where, you know, those points came up costly in this game, obviously losing by one, you know, maybe those three points would have made a big difference. But uh, besides that, yeah, he played a really good game and I re- have really nothing against him uh, to say. But I, I also do want to point out a few other players. And I mean, obviously we should get to the negatives of this game as well, which is the defense, but Sterling Shepard, once again, showing up as the Giants' number one target. Kenny Galladay, uh, kind of here and there to be found. Um, nine receptions and 94 yards for Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton getting the the touchdown. Um, you know, the one really good touchdown for Slayton and the one touchdown Daniel Jones threw. We'll, we'll get to his play in a minute. I mean, I know Alex touched on it earlier. Galladay had three receptions for 38 yards, so he's pretty good. Uh, Rudolph, Caden Smith, they all contributed. Uh, Barkley... I mean, again, to not look good in this game. I think he's still playing injured. He's not 100%. I know, Alex, you've been saying it's week three, week three, week three. This is where, you know, he'll turn on the Jets. He might be fully healthy by then. But, um, yeah, I guess it looks good on the stat line. 13 rushes, 57 yards, which is about four and a half yards per carry. But take away that, like, 40, 30-yard run, and it's 13 rushes for what? It's like uh, 20 yards? Or something like that. Um, so you definitely have to take, to take that one into consideration. They barely used Devontae Booker enough, I think, in the both games at, uh, against the Broncos against Washington. And then James Bradbury got absolutely cooked um, by the Washington offense and specifically Terry McLaurin, uh, to be specific. Uh, moving on to the defense, I kind of just you know went on that without even saying it. But yeah, moving on to... Th- I just want to go back to the offense before we like fully transition to the defense too. Um, with Saquon Barkley, I think it's more of a mental block to be honest that he's almost afraid uh, a little bit to kind of he, he's kind of not he's kind of holding himself back mentally. I think I think he's there, and also obviously the run blocking has just been atrocious as well. If we're being completely honest, I was just praising them in pass protection, but in run protect in run blocking. Uh, the Giants' offensive line has not looked good at all, and there's very little gaps for Saquon Barkley to go through. But, uh, yeah, carry on with the defense. Okay, so the, so the defense. Yeah, so James Bradbury had an atrocious game. Uh, I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a harsh word, but if we look at Terry McLaurin's stat line, who is on all game, 11 receptions, 170 yards, and a touchdown, uh, 10 yards per catch. That's a bad game. That's a bad game for James Bradbury. And, obviously, he turned around – and got that pick, uh, which was costly, which didn't win us the game, which should have won us the game. And I wanted to uh, touch on that now on that drive. 
I I understand you want to play conservative, right? You want to make sure we hold on to the ball and we're not throwing any interceptions like Washington was, where everyone was confused, why are they throwing the ball um, in that situation? But they did it, and that's what happened. Listen, I think I get why we're running it first, second, and I think third down as well, unless Daniel Jones looks No, like- Daniel Jones threw it third down. And okay. that was that, but that's even the weirder part, right? If you think about it this way, if you want to drain all Washington's timeouts and stuff like that, and get and get them, you know, down and just play safe, why are you not running the ball three times? That that's what I. If that was his play, it was like it was like a mixed plan. It's like you either run the ball three times. If I'm handing the ball off to Saquon Barkley three times to get ten yards. I'm not feeling super confident, but I think it's doable. Get three big pushes from that offensive line. Maybe you get that, right? Um, but in, instead of doing that, obviously we're in a third and seven situation, so you kind of have to pass the ball. But maybe do some sort of screen or something like that I think would be better where you know you're going to get, the you know, if you get tackled, you're inbounds, they have to use that final timeout. Uh, why they threw the ball, I don't really know at that mm-hmm. point. If that, if that was their plan, right? Alex, I think their plan failed. I think that's what it was. Um, they didn't seem to have a plan. That was the real problem. The plan was what's like, let's run the ball here, and then maybe we'll pass it, depending on if we don't get the yards or whatever. I don't. Th- it looked like they were unprepared. I think their plan was to have Saquon run the ball and expect him to get a first down. So when they saw that it was third down and we still had to get a first down, they were like, shit, we got to get a first down now. And then they had Daniel Jones roll out and throw the ball. And I think what happened was you can't depend on Saquon Barkley to get you a first down when the guy hasn't been rushing well all game, besides one burst, one rush out of the 13. So I think that was their plan, Alex. I think they depended on a running back that has been a top three running back in the NFL at one point in his career to get a first down uh, quite easily and within two, two downs. They also wanted to waste time on the clock, and they weren't able to do two of those things, really, because... Barely any time I felt went off the clock. And also, you know, they, they they weren't able to get a first down either. So they went 0 for 2, really, in that in that play style. But I don't think you would expect Saquon Barkley to get a first down. They had maybe what? They had eight men in the box, right? So there's nothing you can do. Like, I don't care who the hell's there running. So Christian McCaffrey with the Colts offensive line could be there. And it would still not be good enough. Like there, there. When you have that many players on defense, there's only so much you can do. Um, and so you either try to run the ball three times, because then on that third down, that's where you're looking like, hey, they're not. They don't have eight men in the box, right? They're just protecting. Uh, they're just trying to make sure the ball stays in front of them. Whereas in those first two downs, they're really trying to press. They know we're going to run the ball. If you're in that third down. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not a coach, right? I'm not going to like, you know, act like I am. But it just seemed like you have two plans. Either you really try to go for the first down and you throw the ball, the you know, all three downs, you go for it, or you run the ball all three downs and you just say, hey, we trust our defense. It was kind of like a, oh, yeah, we trust our defense, but, you know, maybe if we could possibly get this first down. Like, it would just, it wasn't. It was just inconclusive from Jason Garrett and Joe Judge, if I'm being completely honest. And obviously, it looked like they, it looked like they wanted the field goal. To be honest, I I don't know, Alex. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not Jason Garrett or Joe Judge. I was just I'm just saying what I thought the the game plan was. Um, 
But yeah, now I want to go to the defense. So, and I would like to run through this quickly because I don't want our I don't want our recap going like anywhere over thirty minutes. I don't think it should be that long because there's no point of holding Giants fans to have to worry about this loss still in their heads um, for this long. So. I thought Taylor Heineke, the way that we played against him, there were some positives. We had Ozu Jolari getting his uh, second sack in the NFL early in this game. We had pressure on him. But for Taylor Heineke to go out there, backup quarterback pack, and <laughs> perform with over 300 yards passing and two touchdowns is, uh, is, is, is awful. Um, I mean, I don't understand that. And then you had... Um, JD McKissick going out there and getting five receptions for 83 yards. Uh, Antonio Gibson would just knock us down time and time again. I mean, you see the difference in running backs. He had 13 carries as well this time, but he had 69 yards compared to Saquon Barkley's 57, which you think, oh, that's not that much, but it wasn't just one burst for him. It was consistency running the ball. Um, Logan Thomas, I told you to look out for him, and uh, he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. Five catches for 45 yards. Uh, and Alex's player, Diami Brown, got three receptions for 34 yards too, so there was him. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that was a big thing. We didn't play good defense at all, whatsoever. Uh, and a two-play drive. <laughs> I I couldn't believe that. They scored a touchdown in two plays, just like that. It was it was like we had we were losing. Uh, or no, it was uh, tied at that point. I don't, I don't remember exactly, but um, we were losing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm starting to lose it here, but it's, it's like, oh man, um, th- this sucks. And I mean, now going to that final play of the game because that's, that's where I'm at now. I, I, I'm, I, I can't get upset about this game again because I'm starting to. Um, but for us to see that slow motion replay the day later and see that Dexter Lawrence was quote unquote not off sides um, is is an unfortunate sight, uh, to be honest. And I think that it's over. You, you got to move on. No matter what happened, wh- whether he was off sides, whether he wasn't off sides, it is what it is. Um, so I feel like you got to take what take whatever happened and, and move on. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting, though, to hear from Lawrence the day after, um, yesterday, uh, on Friday, and he said that he, from from the beginning, he didn't think he was all sides, but he said the rest called what they what they called, and there's nothing I can do about it. So, I mean, he's right. There's, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. And then my final point, and then I'm done, uh, Alex, and you can say whatever final thoughts you have, is Darius Slayton. Um, you know, I know Giants fans were like arguing for him to be cut. I'm sure that was an in the moment thing. How the hell do you drop that pass though? Oh, uh, that, that was the game locked up. That was it. It was over. Okay. Maybe Daniel Jones had a lot on that ball and it was a harder, you know, catch. It was a little bit in front of him, but you're an NFL player making millions on an NFL contract. You need to catch that ball. And there's no excuses. There's absolutely no excuses. Now, Darius Slayton even being one of my favorite, I have a Darius Slayton. I was wearing a Darius Slayton jersey that night. Um, so I'm a Darius Slayton fan. But ever since he's joined the New York Giants, um, he has dropped balls game after game after game after game. Um, and he is, you know, everyone was saying it looks like an Evan Ingram. Like it's shades of Evan Ingram that aren't worth seeing. Um, and just like we lost that game last year in Philly because of Evan Ingram's job. We lost this game in Washington because of Darius Slayton's drop. 
So I think they go hand in hand. And just like what I said earlier in this podcast, the Giants somehow always find a crucial game to lose. It always happens. And Alex and I were texting, talking back and forth about hope. You know, he always hopes for this team to win. And obviously, you know, I try my best to do the same. But as a, you know, depressed and negative Giants fan, I know not to have hope in these situations in the fourth quarter when it's a very close game. And I kind of just go the negative way of they're going to lose this game. It's just a matter of how and when, right? It's a matter of when is this game going to end and what's going to be the final score line of how much we lose by. I'm sorry. That's how I go about this because if I have any sort of hope, it just messes with my head. And I say, you know what? We, we still got a chance. We can do this. Yeah, Giants can score. No, no. And then it makes it feel so much better if they do pull it out because then you're like, yeah, they're going to lose just a matter of one. And then they went and are like, let's go. Yeah, they actually won. I'm surprised. I, I can't go out about it as, you know, a game where they're going to go out here and win. I can't have hope like that, Alex. Anyway, that's my final thoughts. You can go ahead. So I want to talk real quick about Darius Slayton, and then I'm going to get to the defense. I, with the Dexter Lawrence, with the field goal, you basically covered it. I don't need to, you know, harp on the horse anymore. For Darius Slayton, I, I would disagree, Josh, that he makes sign- a significant amount of drops. I think he makes a couple drops a season that are somewhat crucial. Obviously, none being more crucial than what happened uh, a couple nights ago, but it, it's it's tough. But I think Darius Slayton, we also have to remember, made that very good catch to score a touchdown for the Giants on that deep ball from Daniel Jones. So, you know, you you can't look at things, you know, things aren't just black and white on this team. And you have to look at things a little bit differently. And the people who are saying, Dexter Lawrence, Darius Slayton, they need to be cut. They don't know what. Just shut up. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Darius Slayton, every player makes a mistake, right? Darius Slayton has come up for us big time. He played all last year as the number one wide receiver when he was clearly not capable of doing that. And he still came up with big play after big play after big play. If anyone, if there's anyone you should be mad at, it's Kenny Galladay, who had a couple crucial drops that he should have been easily catching, much more easy than Darius Slayton's touchdown pass. Obviously, they were less influential, so people don't care about them as much. Doesn't mean I'm not frustrated with Darius Slayton. It was still an extremely frustrating moment where he dropped the ball he should have caught. Um, but there's, there, there's still... I, it, to be honest, I'm more frustrated with Galladay, a guy who's getting paid $18 million a year versus a guy like Darius Slayton who's getting paid, what, he's a fifth-round pick on his rookie contract? I, I would assume, what, he gets paid like barely over a million dollars a year or something like that? You know, there, there's a big difference in that. And the fact that Kenny Galladay, you know, was dropping a couple of those passes from Daniel Jones was just, uh, was that was a little bit frustrating for me. And then the fact that he was complaining, well, it, he was complaining to Jason Garrett, to be fair, if you look at the tape properly, but just a little bit frustrating. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair, Jason Garrett should have gotten him more involved, more 50-50 balls that we know he can win, throw them up to him, and hopefully he can catch them. Um, but just before I don't, uh, you go to the defense, Alex, Kenny Holiday, as much as, you know, he wants to complain, whatever, he dropped balls in this game and known to be a 50-50 guy. And in the 50-50 situations, I believe it was two that come off the top of my head. 
Um, I don't know if it was more that he dropped, and that is his specialty, the best, quote unquote, when we signed him to a mega, mega, mega million dollar deal. That's the second time in two episodes I said that. I gotta chill with that. Um, when we when we signed him, that was the quote, the best 50-50 ball catcher in the NFL. Okay, then why isn't he showing it on the field? And the whole thing with Kadarius Tony now and the cryptic messages on Instagram the day later complaining about the game, saying like, I should have gotten more opportunities to catch a ball. And then now saying the media sucks, the media is cloudy, whatever. He posted something today, I think, and said that on his Instagram. Get over yourself, man. I mean, the ego in this guy. He's coming back from COVID. Maybe the, maybe, maybe the head coaching staff doesn't think he's ready yet. And it's his second NFL game, and he's already freaking complaining. My God. And, I mean, this looks bad on the Giants now because we traded back, really like this guy, and people thought it was a reach. You know, maybe uh, whoever was available, Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman, would have been a better option. Maybe they would have been complaining like Darius Tony is after he's not getting the ball in his two freaking first games in the NFL. This guy's complaining. Two games in. And he doesn't, does he not realize that he has veterans above him on the depth chart? Okay, yes, Slayton dropped the ball in the end zone. We get that. He's been in the league three or four years longer than Kadarius Tony has. Kenny Galladay, a seasoned veteran. Same thing with Sterling Shepard, the oldest guy. I know it's 27. He's really young, but the oldest guy in this wide receivers core, wide receiving core. And Kadarius Tony is out here complaining that he didn't get enough reps. You know what? F that. I- I'm done. I'm done with Kadarius Tony. Like, it pisses me off. Anyway, sorry. And obviously, you're looking back now, and you're like, "Damn, Christian Darrisaw would have been a nice pick there, wouldn't he?" Um, or really, any position on the O line would have been a nice pick, I think. There, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, going. What was I even going to talk about? The going to the defense now. You know, Bradbury didn't have a great game. Obviously, he came up with the interception. I would also say that the Giants played a lot of zone. Um, so, you know, all of those Terry McLaurin catches, you can't exactly all pin the blame on Bradbury, where especially where uh, some of the other zone coverage let up, um, especially some of the safety play from Xavier McKinney, from Julian Love, from Jabril Peppers, from Logan Ryan. Um, you know, there, there was definitely a lot of fault to go around all around. But Terry McLaurin is without doubt a top 10 wide receiver in this league. So you also cannot, uh, you know, blame him too much. That guy is talented as hell. Um, In terms of everyone else on the defense, there there was one key problem. And I don't know if you've mentioned this, Josh, but I I think you kind of were getting close to it when you were talking about Taylor Heineke. But our lack of pressure on the quarterback is what's going to kill, is what is killing this defense. I don't know what it is, but, you know, Lorenzo Carter is getting no pressure off the edge. Aziz Ojolari is getting limited pressure off the edge. In, in Interior, we've got Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence has a nice push, but he does he's not quick enough. Leonard Williams doesn't seem to be wanting to play on the team anymore. He got his paycheck and he's done. He's going to he's gonna go to the Caribbean and lie on the beach soon. Like it it was just it wasn't <clears throat> Oh my God, I'm losing my voice already. I'm getting so mad. It wasn't, it's all about getting the pressure on the quarterback and we were unable to do that. Um, And because of that, our secondary was getting exposed. No matter how good your secondary is, if you have 10 minutes in the pocket, it doesn't matter. You could have Darrell Revis, trying to think Jalen Ramsey, prime Richard Sherman. You could have all of those guys 
all covering everyone, and you can have the best safeties ever. It doesn't matter. Eventually, your receivers are going to get open. If you cannot get pressure on the quarterback, we got limited pressure. We ended up having to send about six or seven guys to get any pressure on Taylor Heineke, and that's a problem. Um, and I think one of the biggest parts of this, Dalvin Tomlinson, man, I think the fact that we let him go is going to kill this freaking team. Um, I think, you know, and of course it's easy to say this in hindsight, but if we kept Dalvin Tomlinson and did not sign Kenny Galladay, I think that would have been a better decision personally, because we have, you're, you're drafting a wide receiver anyway. You can get Slayton, Shepard, now you have Tony or whoever it might have been. It just, like, Dalvin Tomlinson was so crucial to this team, not only in the run game, but he took up space in the passing game. That three of Lawrence, Tomlinson, and Leonard Williams really helped out, and Tomlinson helped out Leonard Williams get that big contract. He owes, he should be paying $2 million a year to Dalvin Tomlinson. He should be Venmoing him that money because it's really, it was a lot him in terms of that rush. Uh, but out on the edge, need to do better. We need some better pass rushers. I don't know what it is in free agency. Do we have to go after one? Do we have the money to go after one? Probably not. So we have to hit on a draft pick and uh, that's going to be difficult. Hopefully Aziz Ojolari improves, but I don't think he's the long-term solution. He's not going to be, you know, your prime TJ Watt, uh, you know, Miles Garrett type of guy who can come off the edge or Chase Young and just wreck the quarterback. That's really what we need. Um, And it's just unfortunate that we don't have it. And, uh, you know, I think that's the biggest weakness to this team. And, uh, that, that's the reason this defense is, is, is regressing, right? Yes. You can say, Hey, we added a Dory Jackson, but we lost Dalvin Tomlinson. I think people forget that, right? When you're looking at the team, you're saying, Oh, this defense got better. This defense got better last year. We 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 signed Adore Jackson and we and we drafted Adore Jack, uh, Aziz Ojolari. but no one seems to mention that we lost probably the best player on our defense in Dalvin Tomlinson, and I think that's a big mistake from Giants fans. So I don't think this defense has gotten better. If anything, it is about the same level of talent, but it's now lopsided into a strong secondary. That cannot be strong if there's no pass rush. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned from this game um, and throughout these first two weeks of the Giants season. It's that the defense has not gotten better. You know, people are all upset. Hey, this defense should have gotten better. I don't think it should have. And Alex, you make a great point. Um, 57 points, Alex. 57 points. The Giants have been, have been, has, can't speak. Uh, 57 points has been scored in this New York Giants defense in two weeks. And I, I get the whole, you know, it's a really good uh, offensively-minded NFL now, and there's very high-scoring games. But compared to, like, the low-scoring affairs we had all season last year, it's a lot of freaking points, 57 points on the Giants defense. That's a big thing. And uh, I also like to point out, I think Adore Jackson played better than uh, James Bradbury. And I get, um, I get why, you know, Bradbury was getting cooked. And freaking Patrick Graham, I, I, I haven't mentioned this either. The soft zone. Oh my God. He was like playing prevent or man three deep in Madden. I mean, if anyone plays Madden, you know that you run those two plays when it's Hail Mary time, right? And the player's down by a touchdown. That's when you run prevent and Hail Mary. And the whole game, uh, once again, Patrick Graham was playing soft zone and it wasn't working out. And there needs to be a change there. 
I love Patrick Graham in this defensive scheme, but there needs to be a change. It's been two weeks. People are getting cooked. We need to do man. And I, I don't understand it. Go, Alex. Well, I would also say Patrick Graham has no choice. I think that's a lot of, you know, I get it. Graham could do more. Don't get me wrong. But Patrick Graham has no choice. He can't do anything else because he can't play man if we're the quarterback has 10 seconds. You know, we're, we have to play the soft zone because we can't get any damn pressure on the quarterback. That's the problem, really. So if you gave Patrick Graham TJ Watt, I guarantee you we'd be playing a lot more uh, man-to-man than we are. All right, let's go get TJ Watt then. Yeah, let's go get him. Well, let's Joe do Judge, that. make it happen. Dave, you got him. Go right. freeze him. Trey, yeah, Trey General. Dave Gellman right there. Um, But yeah, no, I, I'm so, I, I get it, Alex, but I'm just, it's pissed me off this also. And like you were saying, Oh my God, we got two like really good cornerbacks now. This cornerback room, we have too many cornerbacks, right? We were hearing that too, too many cornerbacks. And now what does it look like? Our number one cornerback is losing to our number two cornerback. He's having a better game. Um, so listen, I think we, we come back and we need to freaking beat Atlanta. Like Alex said, closer to the beginning of this episode, we need to, that's, that's, that's all we need to do. And if Daniel Jones wants to show us that consistency that I've been looking for for the freaking okay for the for the three years he's been in the NFL, I've been looking for consistency. Alex and I have been looking for consistency. Giants fans have been looking for it. If he can go out there and dominate against this awful Atlanta defense, then we see it. That's how we find out. So listen. Let's go out there. Let's win next Sunday. I don't give a shit what happens this weekend with the other NFC East teams. It doesn't matter. We're 0-2. That's all we need to worry about. Who gives a shit if the Cowboys lose? Who gives a shit if the, if the Eagles lose? That doesn't matter. We're 0-2. It's not like we're leapfrogging them in the NFC East standings. We're just as bad as they will be if they're 0-2. So that's all I got to say there. And um, yeah. That's all I, that's all I gotta say. Go out there and freaking beat these Falcons. I can't believe I'm saying it. We might have a bad defense versus bad defense game next Sunday. Our defense is bad. <laughs> I, I mean, crazy to say it. I know. 57 points, two games. All right. Um, we thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. You can go follow us on Twitter at the Giant Take Pod. Go follow me on Twitter at joshola 29 Alex is on Twitter at anorian23. Um, go follow our TikTok at the Giant Take Pod as well. Uh, Instagram at the Giant Take, Facebook at the Giant Take. We're on basically everything. Um, so if you can support us there, that would be amazing. You can also go check out all the links to our podcast on shipitstudios.com slash the Giant Take, the Giant Take. Or if you want to just go to shipitstudios.com, you can press on podcast, scroll a little bit down, and we'll be uh, one of the top podcasts on there on the website. You can also just look us up, the Giant Take, a New York Giants podcast, and basically every platform. Uh, subscribe if you can, and then uh, also five stars rating and or review on Apple Podcasts really helps us out uh, getting on the charts. So that would be great. And um, yeah, I'm sorry, Alex, I'm taking your role here just to sign it out quicker. Um, we will see you later this week uh, for our preview against the game that uh, I don't even know if I want to go to anymore. (laughs) The only reason Alex said he was going and the only reason I have to agree with him that I'm going is celebrating Eli Manning at halftime. That's the only reason at this point. And also to to see 
you know, the people we've done podcasts with and hopefully meet up with them there too. So look forward to that on our Twitter and Instagram. Be following for that uh, next Sunday. But anyway, later this week, um, preview to the uh, to the Falcons game, and then we'll recap whatever happened in, in the NFC East. I don't really care about that. We need to freaking be better than 0-2. We'll see you next time uh, for another Giants uh, another Giants podcast episode. This is why this is Alex's role. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.